asking God's favor. Lord, I love you and I thank you. And I, and I thank you that you are kind and you are good and you're a God of mercy. And we are going to sit at your feet and we are going to hear the truth. And we're going to hear the story of Paul and what happened to him and how his life changed because of you. And we can know that same life. God, get our hearts ready. Get our hearts ready that we can change or that if we have changed, we can stay the course and not turn back. Abba, Father, please bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul writes. Um, Randy picking up at verse 1, and you did really well. Just one verse. Can you imagine? You know, this is amazing. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things again is no trouble for me, and it's a safeguard for you. Beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Do anybody, because of ethnic or genetic reasons, they put confidence in the flesh? Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. In other words, he's saying, hey, you want to brag? Okay, game on. Let's do it. This is a mock boast. He's bragging to create a point. Okay, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. The Greek word for found could be translated something like this. Regarding the righteousness that comes in the law, I self-examine myself every day. I put myself under the microscope and I am blameless. I am breaking no laws. And then he says, but whatever things, the stuff he was just talking about, whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Wow. What a text of scripture. Let's walk through it. There's a couple things I've got to focus on to get what this thing's about. The first is verse 2. Beware of the dogs, beware of the evil workers, beware of the false circumcision. Um, uh, adults, real quick question. Were you ever given a proverb 
or a wise statement from your parents that's easily memorized so that you would remember it. Anybody do that? Uh, my, my mom would say things, she would borrow some things from Benjamin Franklin and she would say, remember Chris, a penny saved is a penny earned. Like okay, when, you're, when you're a little boy, you're like, okay, sure mom. But now I go, wow, was she right? And boy, did Ben get it right, you know. So those little sayings that are easily memorized because they rhyme, penny saved, penny earned, or there's some little device to help you remember it. That's exactly what Paul is doing. Um, this is the word blepete. It means watch out. Keep your eye on it. Pay attention to blepete. Tus, there's your, like, the. And look at it, kunas, dogs. So, blepete tas kunas. Blepete tas kakus ergatas. Blepete ta katomai. Sounds like it rhymes, doesn't it? It sure does. You can't put that in English. There's no equivalent in English. It's easily memorized. Blepete, blepete, blepete. And then the K words. Kunas. Kakus, which means really bad. Like, no kidding, our English word kaka. No kidding, real, real deal here. This is bad. It's kakus. And katatamai. Yeah. Paul is saying, and by the way, the fact that Paul bothered to do that, what do you think it means? Alyssa, what do you think? He bothered to do that. Absolutely. It's his way of saying, this is really important. And I'm going to write it in such a way that it's easily remembered because you don't need to miss this thing. And he's simply saying, there are, there are, there are things in our lives that can spiritually do tremendous harm. Okay? Some of those things are the dogs. And I, I believe these dogs, by the way, Randy, they're Christian. But dogs are Christians. Does anybody have a dog at home that serves as your alarm system <laughs> for anything that drives by or gets in your airspace? And the dog, you know, goes at it, the yappy dog. Okay. So one way to see Kunas, Joe, is that maybe they're guard dogs. And they bark whenever they see Paul do something wrong. And by the way, they're being encouraged, encouraged possibly by James, the very brother of Jesus, who became the authority out of Jerusalem. The guy that led the Jerusalem council that said, these are the new rules that we're going to enforce for Gentiles who get converted. And these guys take what James said in his legal edict, and then they go so far that they're the watchdogs, and they bark when they see Paul messing up. Is that what it is? You could take kunas that way, which would be really nice, by the way. Or you could take kunas in another way, which is the predominant way that it's very, very negative. Uh, the, the rabbis would say this. Food that is considered torn and impure, like if, if you come up, come up on livestock in the field that was killed by a wild beast or something, and it's now polluted food, the Jewish rabbis would say, well, that torn meat is now good for either dogs or Gentiles. <laughs> okay? Because a dog doesn't care what it eats, as long as it eats. So it's a very negative term, all right? All right, let's keep digging into this. So the hinge point 
what I, that I really want to emphasize right now, the hinge point this morning, is verse 7. Paul talks about his lineage. He talks about his ethnic and religious and racial credentials on why he's superior. And then there's, there's something that happens. Paul has an encounter with the living Jesus on the road to a place called Damascus. And he is so radically changed when he encountered Jesus Christ that he realized, are you ready, Christ Church, are you listening? Those online, are you listening? That he got it wrong. Paul got it all wrong. Paul, the guy that says, I willingly put myself under the microscope. I willingly do it every day. And I have found that I am blameless. When he encountered Jesus, the opposite happened. He realized he got it all wrong. He thought he was blameless. And he realizes, no, I am completely guilty because my huge mistake is that in my own effort, in my racial background, in my genetic background, I thought by default God was proud of me, that by default God is going to accept me. And Paul realized, I, I got it all wrong. And so using accounting language, using accounting language, he says, but whatever things were gained, the credit column, he inverts them and he puts them in the debit column. Those things I've counted as loss because of Jesus Christ, for the sake of Christ. And then he goes on to say, repeating that idea, more than that, I count all those things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Lord. And by the way, look at this, and it says, and I count them, this is the stuff that you, if you appreciate the first century world, the stuff on Paul's very impressive resume. Okay, he says, I'm counting all that stuff as skubala, rubbish. Uh, to be very forthright with you, Paul is being a little bit vulgar. Paul is using a term that's very coarse, very rough, and considered uh, a, bit, a bit rude. Yeah, skubala, human waste, street waste. Like taking the thunder bucket, Eddie, and, and you, know, you throw it, right? Where does it land? In the streets. It's where the animal waste goes. It's where the trash goes. He's not just saying, oh, those things that were really good about me and all my PhDs, well, you know, they're not that important. No, he didn't say the word not that important. He takes it and he takes it right to the bottom. Scubala. Right to the very bottom. Okay. Now, please appreciate this. Paul is doing that because of the radical importance that if you think you have a living relationship with God, if you think you have a living relationship with Jesus, but you're counting on your genetic profile, or you're counting on your spiritual disciplines, or you're counting on religious ethnic background, or something because you think you're good looking or whatever, you know, you get a high IQ, whatever it is. If you think that puts you in good standing with God, or that you're such a morally disciplined person, you're getting it all wrong. I'm getting it all wrong. And that is something we better play potato. We better keep our eyes open. We better watch for that. 
Because if that kind of stuff sneaks in and damages our relationship, we're in big trouble. Now, um, I am not a financial guy. Uh, at my house, I, I, I do my best to make the money, and I give it all to Lisa, and I bow low, and I worship, and I leave the room, and I, because I know that if that happens, things go well. Uh, this language of accounting and, and a business portfolio, let's think about that. Let's say you're very, very disciplined with your money and you invest it and you have an investment portfolio, okay? And you like to go online or something and check, Edie, you're gifted and you check your stocks and see what's going on, okay? If there was something that could not just maybe drop your, your, your profit just a little bit, and you're gonna pay attention to that, maybe it's just the mood of the week or something with Wall Street, but if there was something that's going to hit and was going to literally destroy or tank your credit, your, your profile, we got a problem. Uh, a lot of us have heard reports of how the stock market was damaged when COVID hit and what that did to retirement incomes, what that did to investments, and how it's been a climb out of that huge drop. Make sense? This is actually the language Paul is using. He's not saying, uh, I'm going to flip my debit, credit, accounts, kind of manage my, my numbers just a bit. No, he's, act, he's actually saying this kind, of, this kind of warning, it's warning because if it gets in, it destroys. It, it's actually really power, destroyed to do damage, to do harm. It will destroy your investment portfolio. It won't, you won't just get a little dent and recover next month. It's going to be destroyed. And on the day of judgment, when we stand before the living God, and we're going to say, well, God, here's my, my spiritual investment portfolio. What do you think? Winky face. Bad. Real bad. Whatever things regain to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Um, let me help you appreciate something about the first century world. Uh, it's a world of honor and shame, all right? In fact, those two values are so important. They actually drive culture. It's, it's like a social force, an energy that keeps culture moving forward, honor and shame. If you are a person of honor and you've worked hard to gain that kind of credible standing in society, uh, in the city, in the state, in the empire, you don't do anything to lose that honor standing. Someone who would behave in a way to damage honor and move towards shame would only be a fool. Or, from the first century perspective, they would be demon-possessed. Okay? That under demonic influence, a person would go from being honorable to being shameful. And they would say it's a spiritual problem. If you're an honorable person, you don't do anything to lose your honor status. You don't do it. A fool would do that or someone demon-possessed. And yet Paul willingly inverts the system, turns it upside down, and says the way of shame, the way of following Jesus Christ, turning my back on that phenomenal resume and my ethnic heritage and the superiority of being a Jew 
but being the most disciplined Jew, absolutely turning his back on all of that and saying, I would rather choose Christ. And I consider that as Kabbalah. And I consider this as life. I consider this as what my life will be about. And I feel so strongly about it, I'm willing to be jailed for it. How's that for life change? Brandon Tatum set his sights on being drafted by the Oakland Raiders, lost everything in one night, and then decides to do a ride along and watches a guy that has, I was hoping Brian Pope was gonna make it because I know Brian would really relate to that video. Uh, Tom James and other folk. Um, Brandon saw something that created within him the idea, this is a cause worth living for. And at this point, the obvious thing is that Jesus Christ is our cause worth living for. Let's break it down. It's going to look something like that. The debit column, <laughs> the negative, denia, the negative, the debit, the loss column. You know, all the stuff that Paul would say, man, this, this gives me elite standing. But he moves it to the, to the credit column. Kirdos. These following Jesus is my real gain. I count it all loss. Yeah. So let's look at this. Three questions. And I'm excited because Christ Church, you're so good at owning God's word and how we live it out. What are our gains that the Holy Spirit wants us to count as loss? You know? Sometimes we get caught up in self-esteem stuff, don't we? Or what are our losses that the Holy Spirit wants us to count as gain? Or lastly, is there anything in our lives that becomes a substitution for a living relationship with Jesus by grace through faith? You are the gifted body of Christ. Take ownership of the scriptures. How do we live? How would you as the church, how, how would we as people who follow Jesus and who claim to have been changed by him in our own Damascus Road conversion experiences, right? What difference can this make in our lives and as a church? What would you say? And I welcome questions too, by the way. Anybody online, please take ownership of this and... Uh, Feel free to post a question or a comment. Anybody? Yeah, a real transvaluing, changing his attitudes toward those things. By the way, Andrea, uh, Paul memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament in Hebrew, possibly had full command of it in Aramaic, 
and possibly had full command of it in Greek. Because when he quotes the Septuagint, or the, the, the first five books of the Old Testament, it's from the Septuagint, the Greek version of it. Wow. This guy worked hard for that credential list on the left side. Real hard. It took years. Radical acceptance. Yes. Wow. By the way, what's the one thing Paul had, a credential Paul had, that could have kept him out of a lot of trouble? And does he does he play that card? Occasionally. Yeah. But oftentimes he doesn't. And it's interesting at when he does, it's after the beating, not before. You know. And and he's What's that? He has a good sense of theatrical. Doesn't he, though? Yeah, 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 doesn't he? Oh, y'all are in trouble. You don't know what you just did. I'm a Roman citizen. <gasps> we didn't know that. You know, yeah. He knew, Paul knew, I think, how to try to advance the gospel by taking advantage of a political situation. <laughs> exactly what he was doing. Somebody else, why does this matter? How do you live it out? Joe. He's kind of just giving you the Ooh, say that again, please. He's giving us what? He's giving us a secret to true peace. If you are wrapped up, your values wrapped up in the things of the world, what you work for, what you gain, you'll never have peace because it is at any time taken from you or rendered irrelevant or otherwise. All you work for now interrupts you. But by the way, that word, as I understand it, is a modern equivalent to a four-letter word you can't say on TV. It's bad. It's, it's bad. Your Bible's not squeaky clean, folks. It's not to be read. But Paul's telling us, the one thing that you get, you put your energy and time into that will always pay you back and will always be there for you, is to put it into Christ. And therefore, if you put all your energy into Christ and and realize that the value of the world, like we talked about in the parable of the pearl, is a great price, you give up Mm -hmm. everything else to get that, that will fulfill you forever. Yeah, yes. And in a world where there's no peace right now, really, people are worried, constantly Mm -hmm. nervous, this is what we should have. Yeah. Can we get can we get real for just a minute or two? Joe, thank you. You see something here. Let's get real for a bit. Have you ever you know you feel really good about your quiet time and it's like thirty minutes long? Pretty much what you do, thirty minutes quiet time. Good. And you get a prayer journal and you feel really good about your walk with Jesus, right? And then you start hanging out with Randy Sharp and you find out he does it for an hour. Oh. No wonder why God's not good to me. I only have a 30 minute quiet time. You know, then you meet with Edie and Lee and they're like, well, we do ours for two hours. Like, oh man, Randy's in trouble. It's really bad, you know. It sounds silly. Please bear with my rhetoric. What I'm trying to say is there are times when we get around some people and they talk about a particular spiritual discipline 
and you realize, well, I don't do that. I don't fast once a week. The only fasting I do is driving as fast as I can to the Taco Bell. I, you know, or, well, I'm a Christian, so Chick-fil-A, and, 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 and that's all I do. No, you know, commit the sin of gluttony. You know. So you know what? We dabble. Let's just get real. We dabble with religious things. And sometimes it's because we're trying to feel good about ourselves. Lots of people that I know dabble with the law. They, 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 they dabble with being a messianic Jew. They dabble with stuff, you know. And they think, oh, I, I really think the Holy Spirit is telling me to keep the food laws. And they and they start that way, and they, and they they all of a sudden go kosher in their diet, you know, or they go well, you know, the scriptures are really clear that the Sabbath, it's a perpetual ordinance, we've got to worship on the Sabbath, and they do a big structural shift and make it on Saturday, you know, and and all of a sudden they're into the ceremonies and and those kinds of things, and then they get to say a few cool Hebrew words. Well, you know, it is Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we, uh, you know, we, we observe Rosh Hashanah at our house, and uh, we, we feel good about Shabbat. And you start throwing some cool Hebrew words around, and, and you're like, what? what? I have no idea what those words mean. Yeah. And sometimes we do that, and even if we present on the outside that I'm going to humbly feel good about observing Rosh Hashanah in September, okay, we can on the outside be real humble about it, but if we got real on the inside, we're thinking, you know, if I do that, maybe, maybe God will be okay with me. When the truth is, the answer is no. <laughs> he won't be okay with you if you stop eating uncured bacon from Whole Foods. You know, it doesn't make you okay. It doesn't make you right with God. Please, Christers, tell me what makes us right with God. Jesus. It is by grace through faith, not by the works of the law. And those Christians that dabble in Messianic Judaism, fine, fine, enjoy it. But be careful. You're moving towards something very equivalent to street waste, and you don't even know it. Blepate, blepate, blepate. Watch it. You're going to dabble in some religious thing. Or, or you think you're better because you're white. Or you think you're better because you're black. Or you think you're better because you're Jewish. doesn't matter. Or you think you're better because you're Protestant or something. You get the idea. Cody, speak with some things. Uh, I've always said those things, they draw you to things on you draw Yeah, and, Co and Cody, let's get real one more time. When we do that, and, an and by the way, it actually does help us draw near to Jesus. It's good. But what can happen over time? Watch out. Play pretend. Watch it. Watch it. You think it's, a, and you have a great start. Great. Awesome. Draw near to Jesus. Love him with all your heart. But be, watch it. 
be careful because even that thing, and Paul says, what, what essentially is good about you can now be spoken of as evil because of what it did on the inside. Somebody else, why does this matter? Patch. such insight. Thank you. Can you see again this inversion of the honor system? Turns it on its head, just like Jesus did, by the way, right? And um, thank you. Thank you. Someone else, why does this matter? Chris, the one thing I think is in especially this passage here is proximity. You know, we had Ed come up and do a drama of Paul writing this letter. He'd be all nasty. You know, he's, right. he's in prison, surrounded by guards, and so it's, it's not like he's writing from this comfortable little palace at home. The seminary office. You know, and, and he's, you know, he's in jail, which is shame in and of itself. Yes. You know, he's in jail writing this letter, and yet he's saying all these other things, all this great stuff that's lost to me for the surpassing greatness of mm-hmm. knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, and, and he writes, you know, have you received Christ Jesus? So walk in Him. So he here he's demonstrating walking. Like, this is not good. This is great. Yeah. This is so much greater, surpassing greatness. And so for us, I think sometimes somebody said you know, we're all just like toothpaste tubes. We <laughs> squeeze what's on the inside comes out. Yeah. You know, he got squeezed, and who came out? Jesus. Yeah. So not the law. You know, yeah. and so for us, what do we do when we get squeezed? We complain, we whine, God's not paying attention, you know, so I guess I need to do something to help God out, and <laughs> I'm not going to believe, and or we won't say it that way, we just going to say, well, you know, I'm just, you know, we look at everything for the last nine months and say, well, is, is 
Now, please, uh, I realize that, that when you become a teacher of God's word, you're always at risk for being misunderstood. Is that fair? Yes. <laughs> Anything I say can be taken out of context and twisted and weaponized against me. Welcome. I've been doing this for 40 years. And yep. Okay. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying kick it in neutral and live this lackadaisical way of life because after all, it's all by grace through faith. I'm not saying that. What does James say about faith without works? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. We're born again. We've got to do something. So let's talk about what Jesus said on what to do. So a lawyer, real slick-minded, smart dude, David, comes up to Jesus and, and tries to get him. Sir, rabbi, good teacher, what is the greatest commandment of all? You know, or how do I love my neighbor? That whole trick question thing. And, and Jesus says, well, let me ask you a question. What's the, what are the greatest commandments of all? And what does he say? Do you remember, Pam, what does he say? The greatest commandments. Yeah, that's it. Do you realize if you, if you want to engage in faith that has works, the good kind of works, or the faith that demonstrates that in view of the surpassing greatness of what Jesus has accomplished in me, you learn to love. You learn to love God. You learn to love people. Okay? Now, I'm not a good math person. I'm a high school dropout and barely passed the GED. I'm not kidding. I don't have a good math brain. But, Randy, let's try to work that formula. You're going to get at the heart of the law. You love God and love people. Let's flip it. If we're not loving God, Lee, and we're not loving people, think there's a problem? Ooh, absolutely. You know, you can, you can mess up on a lot of stuff. Instead of having your 30-minute quiet time, you had a five-minute, and come to think of it, you just looked at your Bible app real quick, and you had raced on to work. Okay, you messed up that morning. Okay, all right, all right, all right. But when you don't love people, Ooh, now we got a real problem. Does that make sense? That's a real problem. And now, and when that starts, and I'm, I'm going to give you my psychological best, <laughs> when that happens, it's because there's some junk in the closet buried up from a long time ago, and you're reaching for rules to make sense out of your life, and rule enforcement and you're impossible to live with. And nobody's good enough for you. And we're right back at square one. <laughs> beware, beware. Where are the dogs, whether they're the watchdogs or the dogs that don't care what they eat, whatever it is, beware. Beware the stuff. So, whatever things regained to me, those things I've counted as lost for the sake of Christ. And more than that, I count all things to be lost and you're the surpassing value, the true worthly of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish that I may gain Christ. Listen to what Paul says here. 
God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our transgressions made us alive with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he's raised us up with him and he's seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I want to be found in him. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Let me speak to you, speak to your heart. If you have never known the new birth, I want you to come talk to me at the end of the service. If what you have known are a whole lot of religious disciplines or a whole lot of religious anxiety or something like that, I want you to come talk to me at the end of the service. You must be born again. Anyone who is not born again does not see the kingdom of God. It's real simple. You've got to be born again. You are born again through faith in Jesus Christ, in what he accomplished on the cross, and that he, he literally obeyed all the rules at an external level, but also out of motive. He literally is the full payment for the guilt of my sin and our sin. I want you to, to discover what it means to be born again. All right. What's your substitution? You need to make everybody like you. You need to make everybody happy. You need your control or some pathological belief that you're not worthy. <laughs> if you have a substitution, Maybe right now, we're going to get quiet. Can, you, can we do that? Close your eyes, bow your head. If there's something that is blocking your relationship with God, can you give it to him? And can you say, hey, no more substitutes. I want the real thing. I want Jesus. And I'm going to count the past as loss, and I'm going to count gain following Jesus. Let's get quiet. Let's get our hearts clean before the Lord. Uh, Father, we're at that place where we, we lay, lay down all the stuff of our lives at your feet and we, we say, have mercy on us. And we don't want self-esteem. We don't want to try to fix our own junk. We don't want to try to strong our you into feeling good about us because we're doing some little religious routine or whatever. We, we need Jesus. We need the love and the mercy that you give through him in the new birth by, by grace and faith. Abba, Father, I pray all of us we just set aside the substitutions and we press into you, please. And help us right now as we worship and sing, putting our hearts to words and, and melody, a way of saying thank you and we love you. Please, Abba, Father, bless now in Jesus' name, amen.